So I want to talk to you this morning as um, part of our series for December has been about finding our purpose. And I want to kind of finish this line of thinking before we get to Christmas Day. I started off last week with this around the book uh, or the account of Jesus' birth in the Gospel of Matthew where we have Joseph interacting with an angel a number of times and the Magi coming from the east to worship Jesus who are pagan wise men that maybe could have been kings but they were certainly wealthy men of nobility who came um, and all that but I want to just drill into something that I think is really really pivotal and foundational in any of our walks through life that's embedded in this story around what Joseph does. I alluded to it last week, but I want to drill a little bit deeper into that this morning. Um, And I want to start with this verse in the Old Testament. Those of you who know me and Julie well, and probably heard me preaching for 23 years, will have heard this verse from this platform many, many times. It's a foundational verse in our life. It's called, it's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And as I meditated on that word again this week, I found myself contemplating the, the variables in the issue of trust and realised it's a very complicated issue. It's a very complex matter to trust. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to trust. Like, well, what does that actually mean? And part of me wants to go back to, this could be a three-hour message. Quite easy, there's just so much in it. It's not going to be, by the way. Um, But ideas popping into my heart the whole way through the last 45 minutes. I find find God just fine-tunes the messages while I'm in the actual house of God. And um, I want you to think about this. Back in the book of Genesis, chapter 2 there description of the Garden of Eden and there are two trees in that garden one's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the other is the tree of life and as you may recall if you've read the Bible and you're familiar with those stories from Genesis Adam and Eve participated in taking fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil hence our problem of sin and broken world and difficulties etc which is why Jesus came but I want to say to you that one of the fruits that's on, found on the, on the tree of life. One of the things that's a dimension of life is the ability to trust, the willingness to trust. And as I thought about it, I realised that of all the things that the enemy tries to breach in a person's life is our willingness to participate in the, the journey of trust. Because it's actually foundational in actually living the Christian life. It is the ability to trust in the Lord with all our heart. And so we are surrounded by countless examples, if I can think for myself, where trust is breached in our relationships with each other. I've had people over the years as a pastor, I would say I've made some horrendous mistakes as a pastor. Um, Bad calls, even worse conversations. One of the casualties of that is trust. I've had people say to me, I don't think I can trust you anymore. 
what breaks my heart, not so much they don't trust me, is that this issue of trust begins to erode like salt damp does to a building. It begins to erode our ability to live out of Proverbs 3. In other words, every, every torpedo or breaching of... I'll explain this in a moment. But every knock we get in the arena of trust is amongst other things I'm not saying that there's not untrustworthy issues as in the facts in a story like this but what's at stake here is my willingness your willingness our willingness to trust God trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in the story of Matthew chapter 1 and 2 Joseph, in some respects, is an innocent, minding his own business bystander. His fiancée has a visit from an angel who says, you're going to have a baby. That detail comes in Luke's Luke's gospel. Uh, More specific about what's actually transacting between this angel and, and Mary. Matthew makes mention of it. But the bottom line is, is Joseph's response. Joseph's living in a time and place when it would be culturally very unacceptable um, for a fiancé before you're married to actually become pregnant. And I don't know about you, but I have had some interesting dreams in my life. I hear some people have hallucinogenic almost dreams depending on what they've eaten the night before. Um, Food can impact on the chemistry of your brain. And so we've got a guy called Joseph minding his own business. His fiancée says, um, I'm pregnant. God's told me it's because of him. And he knows, Joseph knows it's not because of him. He hasn't done anything. And as a God-fearing Jew, he would have been very tempted to and right within his rights to say, well, I don't know who you've been hanging out with, but maybe this is the end of the road for us. But he didn't. He had a dream. Say dream. He had a dream where he was told by this angel in a dream what actually had happened. He doesn't get out of bed from the dream and go, oh, I'm going to have to go on a 40-day prayer and fasting to understand whether that was God or not. He just acts immediately. He decides, okay, that's it. Joseph is living out of Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart And lean not on your own understanding. Trust isn't found in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The more information you gather about a sickness or a disease, the more information you can get together about a person or about... Trust is a little like faith. You actually live with unanswered questions and trust. You live with the tension of not knowing everything and trust. You and I can't know God. He's so big, he's so wonderful, he's he's beyond our comprehension. If understanding, knowing God, understanding God was our criteria for trusting him, none of us would. But we we have this, in the context of what I'm saying here, this senseless idea that a person's got to earn our trust. 
The person, like, trust is earned, and I agree with that on one level, but on another, what I'm saying, if I insist on that, is I need more information. I need more proof you're trustworthy. I need this. I... Trust doesn't work like that. Trust is like faith. You step out of the boat into the great unknown. But you don't do that if you haven't got something in place. Let me just clarify what I'm saying here. Um, during the year, this last 12 months, we've renovated a house. Some of you know that. And one of the, we've built pre, previously, we've built new homes over the course of our life. And one of the things about building with a slab concrete floor in South Australia and other places is the, the issue of moisture in the soil impacting on the building that's on the concrete slab. And so a slab has to have a membrane put between it and the ground. It's waterproof. Say waterproof. As I was thinking about trust, I saw, this, I saw a picture of this great big sheet of plastic. And it's like, rather than just being under a building, it was like over the whole of my journey through life. And the membrane is trust. It stops the moisture, the rot of a lousy conversation, the rot of a difficulty, the rot of a sickness or disease sort of coming from my toes up like salt damp and beginning to wreck my life. It's actually a me- So trust is this, it's like a membrane, a waterproof membrane. It's an impren- impenetrable membrane. I can walk anywhere, anytime with anything if I can live out of Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And so when people are not trustworthy, when I'm not trustworthy... And I'm not saying I am always trustworthy because I'm human. I'm going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. We've all stuffed things up. God hasn't. So the context of this trust is God's trust. This is trusting God. And I can walk anywhere comfortably and I don't need to know all the facts. I don't need to be informed. I don't need to go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I need to come to the tree of life and keep asking God to build trust. I want that membrane of trust to enlarge around my life so I can meet this person, I can get into that situation, I can step into foreign countries, I can enter into conversations with people I don't even like and trust God. People I don't agree with, I can trust God. People who don't see life the way I see it, Trust God. Julie will tell you, if I get on my hobby horse about Marxism, it's like that. Some people might get all, I just don't want to hear about it. Give me a break. It's like, if I can let trust of God underpin my life, I can take that pushback. It's like, okay, they don't want to hear about that. I'm cool with that. Even if I think it's important. It's like, what's important to me? Maybe not important to you. And vice versa. The membrane, say membrane. Once you remember the waterproof membrane under your house if you've got one under something or other I want you to have, a, have that waterproof that, that destroying my life proof membrane called trust under your feet at all times no holes in it it is pretty tough trusting in God's tough it's got the ability to get you and me through so what does Joseph do when it goes against tradition culture expectations of pregnant fiance he, he says I'm with you he trusts God doesn't make sense to trust God when it's actually culturally acceptable to do that but Joseph does after the wise men come and Herod goes on his killing spree in in Bethlehem Joseph gets another dream 
And an angel says to him, it's time to take Mary, your son, and flee. Go down to Egypt. Now you would remember that the Jews have got an interesting history with Egypt. They were there as slaves 2,000 years before that. They got connections to Egypt. Joseph could have had every reason under the sun to go, ah, <laughs> it's like asking me to move to Queensland. That was meant to be a joke. <laughs> um, yeah, that went well, really well. Um, maybe you need to find something like asking me to move to China. It's like something that, and that might be a good thing. Some people might like that. But my point is this, Joseph... And the story doesn't give us any scope to read it any other way. It doesn't bat an eye. It's okay, we're doing it. So it's kind of like, let's just uproot life. Mary and Jesus. The Bible doesn't say this, but I, I, I want to just play around this a little bit. I think that Joseph was intending to bring Jesus up in Bethlehem. Because that's where he was born. He's of the line of David. But God had prophesied through the prophets. God had spoken through the prophets Way before that, some other details that hadn't yet come to pass. And going to Egypt didn't appear to be on the plan, but it was in the narrative of the prophetic words. And Matthew unpacks that. It said there was this, in chapter 2, you can read it for yourself. So he moves to a strange land, fleeing to Egypt. Then he gets a visit from another angel who says, Herod's died. So it's safe to go back to where he came from. So, and this is the bit where the Bible is not clear, but it implies that he was heading back to Bethlehem. And then another dream, an angel says, no, you, you need to go to Nazareth, which is where they actually came from, according to Luke's gospel. That detail's not actually in Matthew's at the start, I don't think, but it certainly is in Luke's. But, so they end up living in Nazareth. Have you ended up living where you didn't intend to live? Some of us in the years ahead are going to be asked by God, Maybe not by an angel, but by circumstance to uproot ourselves and move there. My question to be put on the table for you, if that ever happens to you, is have you got the membrane of trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean on your understanding and have the ability to go, okay, we're moving. God spoke to me, we're leaving. We're uprooting ourselves. Now, I don't want to make... All of those transactions, simplistic, because there's always complications with that. And I'm not saying it's always wise to be that impetuous or um, kind of like not seeking the counsel or wisdom of people around us. God's got all kinds of ways of helping us to get a clarity on things. And it's wise to pursue them. But at another level, there's a sense in which there's decisions that you and I have got to make that will only ever bear fruit in our life if we can step out of the boat step out of the place we're in without knowing what we're doing without knowing where we're going without any sense of clarity I need more information no no you're not going to get more information the, pop, the issue is do I trust God Joseph just moved through this story embedded in these first two chapters is a man who trusted God with all his heart. And so I was reminded as I was preparing this, um, hymns are an interesting beast. 
we don't have an organ here, which is just as well, and we don't sing traditional hymns, although Christmas carols are about the closest we get to them. But I want to read to you one of my favourite childhood hymns. One of my probably grandparents, my parents, this one was sung. I'm not going to try and sing it because my voice is pretty horrible. But this is an old hymn called Trust and Obey. Let me read you the verse. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Now, I want you to get in your head as I'm reading this, the link and the way these words are assembled. Trust, obey. So I want you to say that. Trust, Trust. obey. Obey. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Gotcha. Refrain, sung between each verse, is this. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Verse 2, not a shadow can rise nor a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives them away. Not a doubt or a fear nor a sigh or a tear can abide while we trust and obey. And then we would, if we were singing it, we'd sing the refrain again. We won't go through it again till the end. Verse 3, not a burden we bear. Not a a sorrow we share, but our toil he does richly repay. Not a grief or a loss, nor a frown or a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Refrain again. Verse 4. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favour he shows, for the joy he bestows, are all for those who will trust and obey. Last verse, then in fellowship sweet we shall sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says he will do, where he sends we will go, never fear, only trust and obey. And we finish the song if we were singing it with trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And here's a thought I had from reading, rereading the lyrics from that old hymn. Obedience without trust breeds resentment so if you're a compliant person and you obey rules but you don't trust there's no trust in other words it's an issue of a choice obedience without trust will eventually breed resentment so the first thing that needs to be put into the mix of an obedience is trust what's at the foundation this morning of your decision making regarding obedience if trust's not underpinning it i got a bad news story for you it is that your obedience over time will begin to erode away to something else because the membrane of trust is not under it when you're trusting God for everything you can move without the facts. So we talk often in our church every week. In fact, we receive our tithes and offerings. We have a moment we talk about giving. You can be obedient to that. But let me tell you, if you don't actually put the foundational membrane of trusting God down first, there's no point people saying to you, oh, it's in the Bible, so we should. That doesn't cut it that obedience okay so I'm expected to tithe 
All right, well, I'll start doing that. If we together haven't helped to build the membrane of trust under our journey, that obedience will eventually lead to disillusionment and resentment. But I'm telling you, if there's trust under it, it will bear fruit. Because God can be trusted. God is trustworthy. God does do what he says, but yet he makes it a little difficult for us because, and difficult yet easy, because it's a step of faith. So for Joseph, it appears in the story to be real easy to go, oh, we're moving. Oh, we're moving again. Oh, and we're not going to Bethlehem, we're going to Nazareth. It's like, the story is just like, yep, no worries. My question to you is, have you got a yep, no worries attitude? Some of us have, but some of us haven't. Let me say to you, the way to get a yep, it'll be right attitude is to put trust down. Get somebody helping you to pray about trust. Trusting God is the key to living a good life. In his play, Hamlet, Shakespeare coins the phrase, famous one, I hated English in high school, I failed it miserably at year 11. I don't think I even read Shakespeare. I had to read that horrible book called um, what was that, Macbeth maybe I don't think at year 11 I was only 15 yep, I was 15 in year 11 I had no idea what Macbeth was about it's like, really? it was kind of like an R-rated book really for a 15 year old back in the 1970s it should have been but it was English literature so I should have been mate, I didn't know which end was up, down or sideways and so I'm an ignoramus when it comes to English. I've never read any of Shakespeare's work in, in, in entirety. Was Macbeth Shakespeare? Yeah, I never read it. <laughs> I studied it. It was the text for year 11, but I don't think we did. There was some other thing. Oh, this horrible book called Wuthering Heights. Did anybody, <laughs> did anybody have to endure that crap? <laughs> Honestly. I'm surprised I'm still here. That, that damaged me for life. That's... T- Wuthering Heights, my Lord. If I ever had to read that, it would... Anyway, I want to digress. Shakespeare and Hamlet, however, coins this phrase, to be or not to be, that is the question. It's not to act or not to act that is written, although I did read some research around Shakespeare um, scholarship and there's a lot of debate whether he was actually implying action as much as being but I want to just take the simplistic version and say he's saying to be. This is connected to the issue of action, obedience, versus being in trust. I want God, more than anything this Christmas, to put a foundational pouring into each of our lives that sets us up to be people who trust God so that our actions... Our actions are standing on a firm foundation of trust. No matter what goes on. If it hits the wall during 2019, I'm going to be okay. If it goes pear-shaped, I'm going to be okay. If I make a wrong call, that's going to be okay. If I stuff something up, it's not good, and I'll have to do, if there's consequences with other people, I'll have to do what I can to make it right. But at the end of the day, if I'm absolutely dead set certain that I've laid out a carpet, I've laid out this membrane of trusting God for 2019, I'm going to march through. And God's going to help me get through. 
God's going to make it work. He always does. Trusting God is the smartest thing you could possibly ever do. Trusting God with your life. Trusting God with your eternal destiny. Like it's not, but I don't understand all that. I don't even know if I believe in life after death. It's like that's the point of trust. You don't know. But trusting goes, okay, well, I'm going to move toward that. There's, there's counsel in the Bible. There's other people who talk about it. Bottom line is God is trustworthy. The bottom line is God wants us to trust him, just like Joseph did. If Joseph didn't trust God, who knows what would have happened to baby Jesus. He might have got killed like a whole lot of other young two-year-old boys and under in Bethlehem. But Joseph trusted God. I want you to say this. I am a person who trusts God. Say it again. I am a person who trusts God. Now, if you said that and meant it, I want you to get that in your heart and just keep contemplating that in the days and weeks ahead. To help you with that, I've picked a Bible reading program for January. If you start it today, it's a 40-day program. If you start it today, I know it's December. I'm okay, I'm not having a mental block. It's December the 23rd, right? even got the right date. If you start that Bible reading plan today, it'll finish on January 31. But it's about trust. It's a prayer journey about trusting God. And so... For whatever reason, I felt this, this, this gathering, it's not storm, but in that sense of it, this gathering wind of the Spirit blowing us as a church into this issue of trusting God. I think it's got something really important to foundationally put in place for us for 2019. Recapping my little statement, you, you can put other words at the end of this sentence, I'm sure. So obedience without trust breeds something. It's a bit like a breach in the membrane. If you put a hole in the membrane of a waterproof membrane of a, of a house, foundation, and moisture starts to get in, you get all sorts of issues to do with, um, with a timber-framed house. Termites are attracted to moist timber. You have all sorts of potentials for your house to begin to rot from the inside. What an analogy for you and me. If I haven't got that foundational membrane of trust down, trusting God... I'm going to let anything, anything could pop up from life. I don't know you, stuff pops up, right, Brett? Stuff just goes down, right, Simon? Yeah, stuff just happens. It's like, I just want to be confident. I've got the membrane of trust down. Yeah. So our purpose in life is to be a person who trusts God. Every other purpose is subsequent to that. So even when a person lets you down, and they will, even when I let you down, and I ha either have, or I might, or I probably will, if we journey through life together. That is something that you and I can move beyond well, not just kind of make it work. We can move beyond it well if we trust God. If our trust is, you know what, in all things... We're more than conquerors in all things. I can only say that if I actually trust God. So that I understand if I get sick, I mean really sick, I can trust God. If I have an unexpected financial catastrophe hit my life, if I've got that membrane of trust down, it's like, well, that's not going to be good, but I'm going to be okay. We're going to be okay. You could lose everything. Jesus mentions this as part of his teaching disciples, like, don't store up things on earth because moth and stuff will come and get it. It's like, he's talking about trusting God. 
How good is this message? I mean, it's, it's good for us. Our purpose is to be found in Christ. So this is not just, oh, Bruce has talked about trust. I better work on it. How do you get trust? You get Jesus. Yes. You've got to get Jesus. The baby born in the, in the Bethlehem in the stable, I don't mean him. I mean our saviour who was killed on a cross, died for our sin. We've got to get him on the inside. He's the, the master builder. He's the one that lays that foundational membrane. And he's the one who paves the way for us. He's the one that helps us to just keep walking on this sea, this plastic, whatever it is, but a spiritual plastic membrane of trust. It's like I'm on a journey and I've got Jesus in here and he's paving trust in front of me no matter what. I've got no problem. No matter what problem I have got, it's not a problem. I can only say that if I trust God. So um, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 to 9. It's got a couple of scriptures I want to finish with right now. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regards to religious festivals or new moon celebrations of the Sabbath. He's talking about traditions and obedience. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The whole journey through life makes the most sense when we're in Christ everything else is kind of a shadow according to what Paul writes there alongside that John's gospel chapter 15 verse 4 I think this is Jesus says these words remain in me as I also remain in you no branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me the fruit of trust It's like, yep, stay with him. Trust in God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 15 and 18 says this, Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their heart. I watched that happen at the West Wall in Jerusalem. The synagogue at the West Wall in Jerusalem. Moses is still read, and the Jews in there are still not able to see the Messiah. They don't see the salvation of the world. They don't see Jesus as the Messiah. There's still this veil over their heads. So this word is true to this day. This was written um, 2,000 years ago, but in 2018, even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. Moses is read is about action. It's about doing stuff. Jesus came in order that we can be something. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be a beer than a doer. Not that I don't do, but being first, acting or doing second. Um, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let me say that, there's verse 17, 2 Corinthians 3, 17, it's worth highlighting in your Bible. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who have uh, with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This journey is with him, in him. So this Christmas, position yourself like Joseph to be one who trusts God in all things. Whatever the season is that's ahead of you, you'll be able to act because you trust Why don't we stand to our feet, we'll pray, ask the music team a whole lot to come back up on stage. We'll close today with that beautiful hymn that reminds us that Jesus came. But first of all, I want to ask this question. You've come to church this morning, I've talked about trust, I hope I've said something that's helped you in your journey into the days ahead.
I finished with a line of thinking that's linked the issue of having trust in God built in our lives because we are in Christ. Being in Christ is not just an idea. Being in Christ is a reality that every one of us needs to make a choice to do. We pray and we invite Christ to come into our life. We give our lives to him. That's the moment we become a Christian. Some of us in this room have done that. Many of us have started the journey. We would say, I am in Christ. But you may not be. But you're at church today in this meeting because it's your moment to get it. It's your moment for God to visit you. It's your moment for stuff to come out of the darkness into the light. It's the moment for your sin to be forgiven and for you to be set free. It's the moment for your chains to fall off and you to become no longer a slave. It's a moment that any one of us can have when we turn to God and invite Jesus to come into our life. So this Christmas, 2018, maybe this is your moment. And if it is, I I want to encourage you to slip your hand up in a moment because we'd love to pray with you a prayer that would invite Christ to come into your life. It would be a prayer of confession that would say, Lord, I have made a lot of mistakes. I really have stuffed things up, including not trusting you. Didn't even know that I could. And Lord, today I want to trust you with all of my life and I give it to you and I receive the life eternal. I don't understand it all, and you don't have to. I don't get it all, and you don't have to get it. But trusting God is about stepping out when we don't. But knowing on the other side of that choice, there is this incredible brand new life to live. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, or if you have and you've lost your way, you just know you are not alive on the inside anymore. But you used to be. If you're in either of those positions today, never invited Christ or you have and you completely lost the plot with him why not come back to him this morning and slip your hand up and say Bruce would you pray with me I'm not going to ask you to come out the front but I am going to ask you to slip your hand up but we'll pray with you where you stand and you can invite Jesus into your life anyone at all need to make that choice today December 23rd 2018 is the day your life changed forever anyone at all thank you Lord Well, Heavenly Father, we do then pray over the congregation. Your blessing. Father, let the next couple of days, as we head towards Christmas Day on the 25th, be filled with joy. Lord, for those of us still got some shopping to do, there'd be most of the men in the building. Lord, we pray that you would just keep us safe and uh, on the right track in your mighty name. Lord, amen.